You think you've got issues? Hi, I'm Dr. Laurie Appel. Welcome to my podcast where we will be talking about a variety of mental health issues because, you know, we've all got issues. So this next series of episodes, I'm going to be talking all about general mental health. I'm going to break down each episode into a different topic around mental health, such as depression, anxiety, trauma, nutrition and mental health, and really delve into each of these. But before we begin to get into more specific issues, let's first begin with a more general discussion of mental health. More specifically, what is mental health? What does it mean to be mentally healthy or not? Now, most psychologists would say that mental health describes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It means that how we feel, how we think, and how we behave all contribute to positive well-being. Mental health influences our professional life, our social life, because it affects how we handle stress, how we relate to others, and most importantly, it influences the choices that we make. And this is really important because the choices then further affect our mental health in, in a cyclical way. And we'll talk more about that later. The other thing to note is, is that mental health is vitally important at every stage of life, from childhood through adulthood, and even toward the end of our lives. Now, you may be wondering what determines our mental health. Well, lots of things. Biological factors like our genetic makeup or brain chemistry, our life experiences, both good and bad, our family dynamics and relationship history, learning problems or difficulties, physical pain or disease, the list goes on and on. The prevailing theory currently of the why of mental health and mental disorders is what we call the biopsychosocial model, which was developed back in the 1970s by a psychiatrist by the name of Dr. George Engel. Now, this theory focuses on the biological or the genetic or neurological factors, as well as the psychological, the unique and pivotal experiences a person has over the course of their life, which shapes their view of and their interactions with the world and the social environmental piece, like the factors outside of us which contribute to a person's well-being or lack thereof, you know, whether they're financially stable or not, um, where they're living, uh, what kind of lifestyle they have. So all of these factors interplay and affect how we think, how we feel, and how we behave. Why is mental health so important? Mental health actually has such an incredibly profound effect on our lives. For instance, mental health problems can actually cause your physical health to deteriorate. Depression and anxiety can cause difficulty sleeping, make physical pain worse. Research even shows that mental health affects your financial stability because people who suffer mental illness earn less than those with good mental health. And this makes sense because mental health problems can diminish your productivity, causing increased absenteeism, lateness, or poor job performance, which all obviously can lead to a lack of job security. Another important reason why mental health is so important is, is that it affects your family. Children of people with untreated mental health problems tend to suffer greater risk for abuse, neglect, substance abuse, and a host of emotional and behavioral issues. 
mental health problems are extremely common. And getting help is more readily available than ever before. And getting mental health help is far less stigmatizing than it used to be. When I started out as a psychologist, I would say that 90% of my clients were white, adult, or young adult females, men, teenagers, families from different cultural backgrounds were much more reluctant to get help. And therapy was kind of counterculturally indicated for many different ethnic groups. However, my practice today is incredibly diverse. Men, teenage boys, people of different ethnic backgrounds are not only seeking help, but have no problem letting other people know that they're getting help. Word of mouth is the most common way I get new clients, which suggests that people are talking about their experiences in therapy in a positive and unabashed way. So what really does constitute a mental health problem? I mean, after all, we've all got issues, right? But a disorder implies more than just an issue. It means that whatever issues you're having have begun to affect your life in a way that interferes with your ability to function at school, in your personal relationships, at your job. It may have begun to affect your physical health even, as well as your emotional health. How do we know where that tipping point is when your issues have become so overwhelming that it becomes an actual mental health disorder? Well, here are some early warning signs. Eating or sleeping too much or too little, pulling away from people and the usual activities, like isolating yourself, having low or no energy, like being apathetic. And it's interesting because we used to think that depression was mainly characterized by sadness, but now we're seeing it more as a sense of apathy, a lack of motivation, a profound and persistent lack of joy or zest for life. But we'll talk more about this when we get to our episode on depression. Also feeling numb or like nothing matters, having unexplained aches and pains. Many people somaticize their struggles rather than feeling something emotionally. Their pain, emotional pain, is manifested physically through headaches or stomach upsets or other physical outlets. Feeling helpless or hopeless. Smoking, drinking, or using drugs more than usual. Feeling unusually confused, forgetful, on edge, angry, upset, worried or scared, yelling and fighting with family and friends, experiencing severe mood swings that cause problems in relationships, having persistent thoughts or memories that you can't get out of your head, hearing voices or believing things that are not true, thinking about harming yourself or someone else, or an inability to perform daily tasks like taking care of your kids or getting to work or school. Conversely, positive mental health is evidenced by people being able to realize their full potential, by being able to cope with the stresses of life, by being able to work productively and make meaningful contributions to their community. And this is why it is so vitally important to get help when you need it, or really before you truly need it. And even though mental health treatment is much more common and much less stigmatized than it used to be, there are still myths out there about mental health disorders. So before we leave today's introductory podcast, let's go over a few of them, taken from the website mentalhealth.gov. So myth number one, mental health problems don't affect me. Fact, 
Mental health problems are very common. One in five American adults experience a mental health issue. One in 10 young people experience a period of major depression. And one in 25 Americans live with a serious mental illness such as schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, or major depressive disorder. Suicide, in fact, is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. It accounts for the loss of more than 41,000 American lives each year, more than double the number of lives lost to homicide. Another myth is that children don't experience mental health problems. Fact, every, even very young children, may show very early warning signs of mental health problems which can be the product of the interaction of biological, social, and psychological factors, i.e. the biopsychosocial model I mentioned earlier. Half of all mental health disorders first show signs before a person turns 14 years old. And three-quarters of mental health disorders begin before the age of 24. Unfortunately, less than 20% of children and adolescents with diagnosable mental health problems receive the treatment that they need. And early mental health support can help a child before problems interfere with other developmental needs. Another myth is, is that people with mental health problems are violent or unpredictable. Fact, the reality is that the vast majority of people with mental health problems are no more likely to be violent than anyone else. Most people with mental illness are not violent, and only 3 to 5% of violent acts can be attributed to individuals living with a serious mental illness. In fact, people with severe mental illness are over 10 times more likely to be the victims of violent crime than the general population. You probably know someone with a mental health problem and don't even realize it because many people with mental health problems are highly active and productive members of our communities. Another myth is is that people with mental health needs, even those who are managing their mental illness, can't tolerate the stress of holding down a job. The fact is is that people with mental mental health problems are just as productive as other employees. Employees who hire people with mental health problems report good attendance and punctuality as well as motivation, good work, and job tenure on par with or greater than other employees. Another myth is is that personality weaknesses or character flaws cause mental health problems. People with mental health problems can just snap out of it if they really try. Well, mental health problems have nothing to do with being lazy or weak. Many factors, as we talked about, contribute to mental health problems, including biological factors, life experiences, and family history of mental health problems. Another myth is is that there's no hope for people with mental health problems. Once a family or family member or friend develops a mental health problem, they'll never recover. And actually, studies show that people with mental health problems get better and many people recover completely. Recovery referring to the process in which people are able to live, work, learn, and participate fully in their communities. There are more treatments, services, and community support systems than ever before, and they work. Another myth is is that therapy and self-help are a waste of time because you can just take a pill. And the fact is, is that treatment for mental health problems varies, really depending on the individual, and might include medication, therapy, or both. And most studies show that even for mental health problems that require medicine, is that the combination of medicine and therapy work better than either one of them alone. Another myth is, is that I can't do anything 
or I can't help a person with a mental health problem. The fact is, is that you, friends, loved ones can make a big difference. Only 44% of adults with diagnosable mental health problems and less than 20% of children and adolescents actually receive needed treatment. So family and friends can be important influences to help someone get the treatment and services they need. By reaching out and letting them know that you're available to help, helping them access mental health services, learning about and sharing facts about mental health, especially if you hear something that isn't true, treating that person with respect just as you would anybody else, and refusing to define them by their diagnosis or using labels like crazy. Another myth is is that prevention doesn't work. It's impossible to prevent mental illness. When in actuality, prevention of mental, emotional, and behavioral disorders focuses on addressing the known risk factors, such as exposure to trauma, that can affect the chances that children, youth, and young adults will eventually develop a mental health problem. So promoting the social-emotional well-being of children and youth leads to higher overall productivity, better educational outcomes, lower crime rates, stronger economies, lower health care costs, because we talked about the connection between mental health and physical health, improved quality of life, increased lifespan, and improved family life. So that's it for the very basics. Tune into my next podcast with a very special guest where we will be focusing on the interplay between nutrition and mental health. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Laurie, and I will see you next podcast. Dr. Laurie Appel is a licensed psychologist in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Her license and practice information is available on her website, laurieappelpsyd.com. All information provided on Dr. Laurie's podcast is solely for educational and informational purposes and is not meant to serve as psychological counseling. If you have personal issues you would like to explore, please contact a licensed mental health professional in your state.